Welcome back to The Andrew Ramon Show. In this episode, we're going to talk about the six steps you need to take in order to live God's will for your life today. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We are back with another episode and do we have a show for you i know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to post something and uh, man i don't know if you're like me but every time i'm focused on the project i can only be focused on like one thing at a time the last couple of weeks has been more on the music side as well as in some back-end project that sooner or later we'll be able to release it requires my brothers as well and we're all terribly busy so we're trying to find a day in order to to get this thing done it's I know it's going to be a huge blessing whenever we do get it done. Uh, but man, you know, it's one, one of those things. Every every quote-unquote influencer and person with the podcast has to have a back-end project. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. But all that to say, we are back today. Make sure to subscribe. You know, rate, rate it five stars, nothing less, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm super excited about this because... My dad, actually, we had a men's breakfast not too long ago, and my dad shared this message a little bit there, and it motivated me because I knew that it wasn't just for a men's breakfast. It was something that could bless so many other people because if you're like me, you want to live God's will for your life. I mean, I guess who doesn't, right? If you believe God exists and you do believe in God, why wouldn't you want to live his will? The question is now how, not so much if you want to, because I guess we all want to, but the question is how, because we've all heard the verse that God has great plans for us, but let's be honest, how many times do you feel like you're really living those great plans for you, right? It's it's like in John 10, 10, when Jesus says that he's going to give us an abundant life, we're like, well, I don't know what that means, but I might not be feeling like I'm living that quite yet. So we have to define the how. How do we live that abundant life? What that even mean? What does that even mean? And a lot of times what, what tends to happen is we, we tend to see things a little bit backwards spiritually. Um, and you can use some great examples when, uh, in the physical world to kind of help us understand in the spiritual world. You know, the way we approach our relationship with God and when it comes to the promises that he has for us, we usually think that we get the promise first and maybe then do we have to go through any promise, through any process at all. Um, and that, that would be equivalent to thinking, for example, that you get a trophy and then you train in basketball. Well, that's not, Unless you were raised like five minutes ago when everyone and when everyone gets a participation trophy, that's just not the case. You train, you play, and then you get, well, the trophy for it. There's a process usually when if you like to see the results. And there's really steps that you have to take in order to really live the life that God has for you. And we're going to read a lot of scripture, which I'm really excited about. And what's important about these six steps is that you have to do them in order. If you don't do them in order, everything gets wacky. I promise, everything does get wacky. So what is the first step? The first step that you need to take in order to live the will of God in your life. Are you ready? Is go to Starbucks. No, I'm just kidding. Which, by the way, a Starbucks question, do you like Starbucks or what's the other guys? The Dutch Bros or something like that? Again, not sponsored by anybody, but... I don't know, man. I'm kind of feeling Dutch Bros is a little cheaper. So I, you know, I can appreciate that. Anyways, let's go back to the first step. First step to live God's will for your life is very simple. It's not complicated. It is to be saved. You need to be saved. Okay, that seems rather obvious, but 
let's dive deeper into it because I believe that will bring us revelation in our lives. The first step you have to take is to be saved. Hear me out. The first step to live God's will for your life is not to clean yourself up necessarily, not to start, well, I got to change my habits. I got to start reading the Bible. Yes, that is all great. But the number one thing you have to do is to be saved. And to be saved is not just to go to church. My friend, going to church does not save you. Listening to great podcasts, a Christian podcast doesn't save you. You can know a lot about Jesus without actually knowing Jesus. We have great New Testament scholars who are atheists, and they probably know the, the New Testament better than I know the New Testament. But does that mean they really know Jesus? Well, not really, because the Bible is very clear when it comes to what it means to be saved. It's not about going to church. It's not about saying the right things uh, and quoting how many verses that you know. It's all summed up in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going I'm to preach it, right? Brothers and sisters, say it with me. If you, hallelujah, openly, everybody say openly, as opposed to closed, declare, may I say, say out loud that Jesus, aka the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the Christ is Lord. You know, it's like the, the preacher who like uses alliterations and breaks down every, every definition of every word. It's not complicated, guys. Being saved is openly declaring that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And then Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My friend, there are so many people that go to church that are not saved. There are so many people that maybe read their Bibles, but they're not saved. So you have to ask yourself, have you really taken this first step? Or have you decided to go to church, but you haven't called on the name of the Lord? Calling on the name of the Lord is is you recognizing, like I've recognized myself and many, many people have, that you are not enough, that you're not enough, that there are things bigger than you, my friend, and that is your eternal destiny, that you can openly declare, not whisper, not hide under a bushel, but to openly declare. Do people know you're, you're a Christian? Uh-oh, this is about to get a little uncomfortable. Do people know around you that you're a Christian or you are like a PI, like a private investigator for Christ that nobody knows? You're just undercover for Christ. It says openly declare, my friend. You openly declare that Jesus is who? Lord, not just Savior, but Lord over your life and believe in your heart. So again, it's not, it's not just the head or the heart. It's both is that you know so in your heart, in your mind. And then what's so amazing, it says that God raised him from the dead. Again, not that not that Jesus is Lord and maybe just a good teacher. And well, we're, we don't know if God raised him from the dead. No, no, no. It's pretty straightforward that you declare that the Lord Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from, uh, from the dead. My friend, have you taken that step? And this, this might seem so basic, many, maybe if you grew up in church, but if you grow up in church, does not mean you're saved. I, you know, just, just today, 
I had, a, I was talking, I was teacher of the, one of the teachers of the 10, 11 and 12 year olds. And in one of the classes that we had, I had a young girl who had just come first time in church. And, you know, it's, she's about maybe I, if I had to guess 11 years old, she came with a, a, a girl that comes more often. And she said that the last time she had been to church had was four years ago, uh, was when she was four. So, you know, do the math. That might be six, seven years ago, depending her age. That was the last time. And she said, why? I just don't really come to church. And what I was telling her there, and I think applies to all of us, is to be honest with you, God does not love you more for, does not love the people more that grew up in church and never left it than those who, like her, haven't come since they were four. And a lot of times we can deceive ourselves that if we serve God enough, then somehow that just means automatically that I'm saved. Again, Maybe you've taken the step and that's amazing. I'm, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. But it's worth asking to verify, have you really openly declared that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Or have you, because when when, when you openly declare it, then it, it, it becomes a witness. It's it's like a matrimony, right? If you've ever been in a marriage ceremony, they'll say, well, at least they used to. I don't know if they say now, but it says, you know, does anyone say no or whatever words they used for someone to refuse the marriage. I've imagined how awkward that would be. Is anyone in disagreement? I don't know. Is someone's ex going to say, no, I'm in disagreement. I don't know who added that part. But the reason that you do this in front of, of testigos, of witnesses, basically, is because it's to show that it's the real deal. Is your faith the real deal? Do you openly declare that Jesus is Lord? And my friend, if you do not take this first step, all the other steps will be impossible. That's right. All the other steps we're going to talk about will be impossible for you. And I feel like a lot of the frustration in the Christian life tends to happen because people try to do things out of order, as we're going to talk about, without actually first being saved. They try to do all the work of, of a Christian per se and living the life that pleases God without first being saved. And if you're not saved, you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to live a life that actually pleases God. Oh my gosh, that was good. Again, you have to be empower, empowered to live a life that God, that actually pleases God. You cannot please God if you, you are not first believed that he exists and approach him by faith. So we read that in Romans 10. So we'll step two, now that you're saved, it is now about growing in your faith because there are a lot of people that come to church who are not saved, but then there are those that are saved, but never grow in their faith. They, they stay in spiritually immature, spiritually as children. My question to you, my question to me, how's your faith? Okay, maybe you're saved. That's step one. What about step two? Are you growing in your faith? Or have you been the same since like 10 years ago? You're still struggling with the same things. And you might say, well, everyone's, you know, everyone's in the process. I know, homie, but your process has taken a very long time. And it's worth asking a question, is there something that I'm just not quite doing right? It's it's like a lot of times we use the word process sometimes as a scapegoat for lack of taking responsibility over things that we could, in fact, change in our lives. And we just say, well, I'm in the process. I know, man, but you know. That process has taken a little bit of time. And again, I'm not here to judge anybody because I've been in there. I've been there where you're like, well, I'm in the process of forgiving someone. Boy, forgive. 
forgive my friend because God didn't go, well, I'm in the process of forgiving you. He just forgave you or whatever it might be. You know, Second Peter 1, 3 through 4, it says this, by his divine power, by whose power? God's divine power. He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So pause. How do we receive everything that we need? By coming to know him. That means it is a growing relationship you have with Christ. So when you're saved, your spirit has been renewed. You are now sealed by the Holy Spirit and it's now a process of sanctification, a process of what Romans 12 talks about of renewing your mind. So don't just stay saved and just stay in that, in that step one, but now take step two about renewing your mind and growing your faith and coming to know Christ. My friend, Christ is God. There is a an infinite depth to him that we get to know through the scriptures and through the the indwelling of his own spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. It's too sad to see Christians, especially young, who they might be saved. I'm no one's judge. Look, I, I, I can't say you're not saved or I'm not saved. Only God knows, right? And only we really know when when you're like on the edge, you're like, oh man, they might saved. Am I not saved? Because I don't, I, I, I don't know if I, if I, I've openly declared Jesus as Lord, but we have too many kids that come to church, and I say kids, maybe you're, you know, you're a teenager or a young adult like myself, and you're not growing. You're not growing in your faith. Growing is uncomfortable. Can I tell you that our faith journey will become uncomfortable? It is a requirement. Comfortability is not a requirement. Okay, I don't know if someone has told you that. I, if they have, they're probably wrong. Comfortability is not a requirement in faith in Christ. It's usually the opposite. It's uncomfortable. But when things are uncomfortable, that's usually in the season of growth. And that is what we have to do. We have to grow in the knowledge of him in order to receive the precious promises because this is what it says. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Step one, be saved. Step two, grow in your faith. How do you grow in your faith? Very simply, I say three things. One, uh, spend, get plugged into your local church, in your community. That's right. Not just don't be the guy that goes in and out of church as if it's a fast food restaurant. No, man, it's a slow dinner. Get, get plugged into your community. Really get plugged into a small group if you have it. Start to, to, to change your, your inner circle of friends. If your inner circle of friends are pulling you away from God, that's a pretty good idea that if they're not going to go closer to God as you are going to go, it's probably a change of friends, change of season. Something I've learned and in my very young life is that some friends are, 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 are seasonal friends. You think they're going to be with you for life, but if they're not really bringing you closer to God, again, that's not for you to push them away, but a lot of times God will transition you to a different group of friends who are the best suit for that season in your life. Maybe it's for a long period of time. Maybe it's for a short period of time. But that's a, an easy way to grow in your faith, get plugged in, read your Bible, um, really learn to study it, not just read it as if it was homework, study it, know it inside and out. And then, of course, uh, cultivate that that intimacy and devotion with God. So that's step 
two, and I want to read something that will lead us to step number three, and that's First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through two, that says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in the way that pleases God. So that is our mandate as Christians, to live in the way that pleases God. We actually had a whole episode about that a while back, as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. Did you catch that one? We encourage you to do it even more. Because you might be thinking, well, Andrew, I'm, I'm saved and I'm growing in my faith. Great. Do it even more. Grow even more. Love even more. Forgive even more. Give even more. Even more. You might be thinking, well, I'm pretty good. Great. More. It's like that gif of, uh, what's his name? Was it Adam Driver or something in Star Wars? When he's like, more, more, more. Yes, that's exactly right. Love more, forgive more, give more, more, even more. And that takes us to step number three. When it comes to God's will for your life, it is now to stay away from all sexual sin. If you want to live God's will for your life, you must be saved, you must be growing in your faith, and you have to stay away and run from sexual sin. And now let me tell you, this is why these steps are in process, because it will be impossible for you to stay away from sexual sin, one, if you're not saved, because you can only do it by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And secondly, if you're not growing in your faith, you're deteriorating, you're going to be more susceptible to sexual sin. And look, we did a whole episode regarding uh, sexual sin as if maybe uh, purity was like an out-of-date Christian tradition. And we're like, no, it's actually God's will. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says, God's will for your life is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. My friend, did you catch that? You are responsible for your own body. I'm responsible for my own body. And through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. self-control, you will be able to control your own body. You might say, Andrew, you got no idea. I can't control my own body. I can't control my sexual urges. I can't control my drive. You can. You can. You 100% can. If If you ain't saved, brother, you can't. If you ain't growing in your faith, you can't. But you got the Holy Spirit in you, you 100% can. Because God gave you the ability to do it. That's God's will. You will never live God's will for your life if you are in sexual sin. My friend, it, it is, it is as the Bible says, a sin that is, is against your own body. I have seen and we've all heard great stories of great men and women who because of sexual sin have fallen, their testimonies ruined, and many times... Um, the possibility for other people to be saved through the, the even their preachings are just vanished because no one can see it the same way. You want to live God's will for your life, be saved, grow in your faith, and stay away from sexual sin. The fourth is to grow in love for others. And it says in Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10, but if we don't write to you about the importance of loving each other, uh, but it says, but we don't write to you, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers. Macedonia, even so, dear brothers, we urge you to love them. Get, remember that word? Even more. More, more. Yes, love people even more. It's great you're saved. It's great that you go to church and it's great that you have stayed away from sexual sin, but you can still be someone who just does not lo- learn how to love people. You can't love people from hiding in your room and never interacting with people. You, you got to go to church. 
you you got to learn to love people who disagree with you on superficial things, even in more core doc, doctrinal things. Yes, you got to learn to love people. You want to live God's will for your life? Learn how to love. We have to grow in love. You say, well, I'm actually a loving person. Great. More, even more, my friend. And that takes us to step number five. So remember, step number one, be safe. Step number two, grow in your faith in a very practical way. Step number three, stay away from all sexual sin. You can control your own body. Do not accept the lies of the enemy that one, tries to make sex God. So you have to follow your sexual desires as if it was God telling you to do something. No, thank you very much. I'm more than just my body. Okay, I can have self-control through the Holy Holy Spirit. Then we got to grow in love. And the fifth thing is to live a quiet life. That's step number five, my friends. I'm not making this up. First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, make it your goal to live what? A busy life. Busy, 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 busy. How you doing? Ah, oh, man, I'm working. I'm grinding. Is that what it says? No, to live a quiet life minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Oh man, this is like a whole episode just on this verse. How's your life right now? If it's like mine, it's a little bit hectic sometimes. But God's step, God's will for your life is to live a quiet life. So much, so many of the worries of our life is because we have overstacked ourselves in our anxieties to the roof because we can't handle everything, my man. We can't. Sometimes you got to unplug a little bit. You got to live a quiet life. Does that mean saying no to more things? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Saying no to more things. Does that mean that I'm not going to be on Instagram all day because then I can't live a quiet life? Yeah, 100%. I, I, it's interesting when it says mind your own business. <laughs> we, we feel like that's rude when someone's like, hey, mind your own business. That's, well, that's scripture. Um, now, what does that mean? Does that mean that no, oh, well, guys, you can't post about things um, politically online because you got to mind your own business and you can't advocate for things. Okay, that's taking things out of context because we have to stand up for justice and whatever else you want to say. That's great. But there is a line where you like, bruh, just mind your own business, man. Like, is it really the end of the world? Do you really have to call these people out online every single time? Do you really have to be vocal about this? This again, if the shoe fits, wear it. If I'm at, if I'm out of place, then that's okay. You can let me know. But sometimes we just gotta mind our own business, man. Like, make your bed, bro. That's been my challenge. Stop trying to change the world. Just mind your own business and make your own bed. Start, start, stop trying to change the whole world. And how about you just bless your own family? Let's start, let, let's start there. Get your family in order, and then we can start organizing the world. Live a quiet life. And the last one that we'll wrap up the episode with is step six. Stay away from ambition. From ambition? What? Wait, what are you talking about, Andrew? Isn't ambition a good thing? Like, shouldn't we have a drive for the future? Shouldn't we have great aspirations for the future? Shouldn't we have great, um, excuse me, great ambition? Um, no. Yeah, no. Because here's the thing. In God, there's a difference between ambition and vision. Ambition is a desire that no matter the cost must be fulfilled. Vision, however, is direction from God for your future. There's two differences. Ambition is selfish. Vision comes from God. 
1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. My friend, look, I'm 24 at this moment of this recording. I see in Instagram all the time, apparently there are so many other 24-year-olds who are like millionaires by now and have like great cars and oh my gosh, are way more successful than I am. And I can be like, what? No way. Okay. I'm chill with that. I don't, I don't, when I say I don't have ambition, that doesn't mean I don't have vision for my future. I just, I've given up on ambition, guys. I've given up on selfish outcomes. I've given up on selfish ideas of my future of just having an external success, but not internal success. God's my promoter, not me. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. If we want to live God's will for our lives, we have to take these six steps. If you're not saved, staying away from ambition makes zero sense. Because life is on your own, dude. You're your own promoter. You're your own guy. You got to hustle and grind or you fall behind. But when you're safe, when you're growing in your life, when you don't are not in sexual entanglements, when you're growing in love, when you live a quiet life, yeah, you can stay away from ambition. And you can actually live God's vision for your life where you don't plunge yourself uh, into richness from the wrong motivation. Again, listen to this. It's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. God can bless you crazy financially. And that's amazing if he can trust you with that. But don't be someone who would long to be rich and fall into the temptation and be trapped, as many have, into harmful desires and pierce yourself with many sorrows. So my friend, you want to live God's will for your life today? Six steps. Are you saved? Yay! Growing your faith even more. I'm doing it even more. That's great. Stay away from sexual um, immor- immorality even more. Love even more. Live a quiet life, whatever that may mean to you. We got to slow down a little bit. That's what I've been learning to do and stay away from ambition and accept and receive God's vision for your life. And we'll see you in the next episode of The Andrew Machin. We'll see you there.